Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Section 336. The next generation of Baltimore sports talk. Hey, this is DJ Stewart and you're listening to Section 336. Today on the show, we have two completely different interviews which I'm really excited about for two completely different reasons. And, of course, we will touch on Dan Duquette's comments about still the Orioles still being contenders, and you'll find out if Josh and I are, are just as delusional as Dan Duquette is. All that and more on this edition of Section 336. Ready to ride, your host Max Shashabird are ready to fly. Baltimore's best section 336, the number one sports broadcast gets your fix. What's the news? Let's talk about Buck, our favorite Orioles. What's the latest lineup? Home runs and stolen bases. This is a trip. Stay tuned in at 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I'm your endearing, stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Sroka. How's it going? Good, good, good. Uh, we usually start off with some friendly banter, but I want to jump right into the thing, to things because we got a ton to talk about. We also got a long, I think a long show. We got two guests. Yeah, today. I know, I know. And you, so You want to just go straight to Oriole Talk? Yeah, I do. All right. Cause in 50, and we're going to talk about, because there's a ton to talk about. We have this huge series right now versus Tampa Bay, which I think it's a big deal. Do you think this series is a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. It's as, suddenly it's as big of a deal as the Cubs series was, as the uh, Rangers series was, as the Astros. the Astros series was. Yeah, every series is important right now. Yeah, but they're like the wild card leading. Now, some people would say it doesn't matter because Orioles should sell no matter what happens you know, at this series. You know, the Rangers just swept Tampa. Yeah, I know. I tweeted that out. I tweeted for everyone who said the Rangers are terrible. That's the only reason we beat them. Then they just went and swept the, right. uh, the baseball's Tampa a funny game. Yeah, but so, so I, you want to go straight to Oriole? I yeah, was, I, was I, I don't want to get into Tampa Bay talk because we got an interview at seven thirty, and we'll get into the Tampa Bay talk. All right. So you want to hear my review of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie? No, I watched that over the weekend. No, I don't want to care about that. Here, I was thinking about this on the way over. All right, what do you want to talk the about? The Nats uh, not trading for Zach Britton. Can we just randomly start with that? Okay. Because most people have said they don't deal with each other. Like Baltimore won't answer their phone calls, right? Yes, but here's my take on why that deal will never happen, and it has nothing to do with Masson. Because they just traded for two pitchers? No, it, nothing to do with that either. Because the Nats suck no matter who they put in the bullpen? Well, now, here, here's why I think Peter Angelus will, will, will never do it. Because if the Nationals, we've seen it with the Cubs, there was a lot of people at the Orioles-Cubs games. Why were there so many Cubs fans at the Orioles-Cubs game? Because it's been 13 years since the Cubs were in Baltimore. Okay, why else? Because the Cubs won the World Series that, last year. Ding, 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 that's it. And if you trade Zach Britton to the Nationals, that increases their chances of winning the World Series, thus taking a whole bunch of fans with them. You think Pete's worried about losing fans? Well, no, that's why he won't answer the phone call. 
Right. He, he, it's not that he's worried about the World Series. It's I'm not going to give you anything because you're already in my area. Yeah, you're but, already in my territory. But do you, if the Nationals win the World Series, do you think a lot of Oriole fans will convert to National fans to be National fans? Uh, yes. Yeah, I do too. Yes, and and it'll be they'll say and half of them are from Savannah Park. Savannah, uh, I think you'll lose a lot around uh, Bowie, Davidsonville, that PG County, PG County. Yeah. Uh, any people like a winner. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and you see a lot of that with Oriole fans already who have jumped on the Caps, even though the Caps screw up in playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you've got the mix of Reds. You can easily, if you right now, if you're a Redskins slash Oriole fan, you could easily say, oh, I've always been a Nats fan. Or how many people, and I hate this, how many people do they, do you hear? They're my National, national league, league team. team. It's yeah. so Everybody, Everyone's got a National yeah. League team. No, they don't. You should you not have a National, national League team. I actually team. have a different team in each division. So I'm covered with every I, division. See, yeah, I root for the Blue Jays. They're my Canadian team. Oh, yeah, you got to have a Canadian team. You had limited options, though, but you got to right. have a Canadian I team. I know. I used to be a Montreal guy, but now I'm, I still need a Canadian team, though. Yeah. All right, I want so to. stupid. There's a lot of talk in the, uh, about the Orioles' uh, Dan Duquette's comments about being that we're still contenders this year. I said a couple weeks ago the Orioles should buy, and that one kid uh, from, from the Scott Gar- you know. Garceau show looked at me like I was insane. And most listeners like don't Alex. agree with my Alex don't agree with my take here, but they should be buyers just because it's going to take you buy a certain pitcher because you are not just doing it for this year, but getting ready for next year as well. And, and I yes, and I agree with you. And I think that Dan Duquette that's what Dan Duquette's doing. And I think a lot of people are saying no, you have to sell, you have to sell Zach Britton or Brad Brock or one of these guys. Yeah. When really no, you have to buy, and you use Zach Britton or Brad Brock to buy. Yeah. And it's all on how you look at it. Yeah. Are you if you're you're selling as if you're getting rid of these guys for prospects down the road. Right. It, Buying it, if you're getting a guy who's gonna help you next year. Right. The Braves just traded Jaime Garcia and they got a nineteen year old kid back. <laughs> the Orioles, I don't think I anticipate them trading Zach Britton for a nineteen year old kid in, in single A ball. No. I would anticipate them getting a double A, triple A, a guy in his early twenties yes. who could potentially as early as next year be up in the majors yeah maybe even a guy maybe even a guy with some major league experience yeah and then a, a bubble guy but what it is is he's going to make one of these moves and everyone's going to freak out and see see duquette selling when really he's buying right right and, and we'll, we'll see what kind of prospect he buys but yeah i would look for a, a close to the majors if not already he the got major prospect. he got a lot of headlines on saturday for the uh the state of the orioles with the season ticket holders yeah, which we don't go to because it's way too early in the day. Yeah, I don't need to spend my entire day at the ballpark to hear something. We know what he's going to say anyway. Right, something that I can read on the internet, and yeah. we knew he was going to be positive anyway. But he got a lot of thing stuff on there for saying he's not going to trade from the core. Yeah, and he's gone. He's still excited for this team that we just need pitching. Which have you looked at this past week? Yeah, all we needed was pitching. Yeah, so yeah. he's not wrong. Yeah, and th- and there's a there there's a fundamental debate going on here between whether it's a retool or a rebuild. And essentially the difference or is a re-crap. if you're going with rebuild, you're 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 looking at trading Manny Machado is the big name. That's the rebuild. Yeah, uh, but also you can throw in Darren O'Day, but, Mark Trumbo, all those guys. Like but, everyone all of a sudden becomes for sale. But here's what's crazy. What do you rebuild for? You rebuild because you want to have a base of players that are good players that you yeah. can build around. Yeah. Don't the Orioles have that right now? Yeah. Yeah. And so and why would you throw out what you have before it's over? Yeah. Why, why do people not know what's going on? 
Yeah. Why are so many people so stupid? I know, I know, and 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 I, and to your point, like I thought about this, like why are people dumb? Yeah, yeah, that's I, a big question. I, I have seven because the majority. I feel like this is the majority. We're in the minority. Now. I think it's it's that Oriole fans just it's that Oriole fans wanting to just hate on the Orioles and Peter Angelos after 14 years of losing. It might be a little bit that I think there's. I, I came up with seven reasons on why they think what they think, and we only got nine minutes right. to our first interview, so we might not get through all these. All right, seven reasons why you're dumb. Yeah, the first one is JJ well, Hardy. Who? <laughs> yeah, that's one. Uh, that one. But these are myths that people who think we should rebuild hold. The first, the the first one I have on there is, is that same one you just mentioned that this team just doesn't have enough good players. Right. It doesn't. And, yeah. It doesn't have Jonathan Scope. Manny it's just Machado. not true. And even though Manny Machado, I mean, if you think about it, Manny Machado has been bad the first half. Mark Trumbo had a down first half. Jones is getting a little bit better now, but he was down all the way through June. He's better been better in, in July. So all these players have had down years, and yet. We're just three and a half games out. And our pitching, as we know, has been atrocious. So everything has gone wrong, and we're just three and a half games out of the wild card. So the, the fact that we don't have good players, it's just it's not true. Like Adam Jones, uh, say what you want about Chris Davis's contract. He's still, he's a good player. Manny Machado is great. Jonathan Scope is great. Like we, we have, a good, we have a good, good player. So, so that's, not, that's not the issue. That's not the issue? No. All right. So another one, and you just hinted at the other one, myth number two, that Peter Angelos is cheap. Now, you can say it as many times as you want and in as many ways as you want. He's cheap. It's just, it's not true. He puts money in this team. He does it time and time again. And, I, I mean, everyone points to the Chris Davis deal. But it's not just that deal. It's a couple years ago before that. It was the Adam Jones deal, right? Six years, $85 million. That's a significant deal. It's, it's paying for guys, even if the deals don't work out. Like Jimenez, four for 50, didn't work out. But it showed that that Peter Ange, I mean, that's on Dan Duquette. Yes. Peter Angelus willing to spend the money, um, or or if you look at like look at um, the the other moves, like the Nelson Cruz, even though he left, like the Mark Trumbos, like he is willing to spend money on this team. I mean, top ten as far as salary goes, even though we're a small market team. Now we talked about it last week, where we get into some trouble with Peter Angelos. And if you want to criticize Peter Angelos, you don't criticize him for being cheap, boys and girls. That's that's not why we criticize Angelos. We criticize Angelos for sometimes getting involved in the decision-making of the ball club. Right. That's why you hired Dan Duquette. Let him make the decisions. We don't want Peter Angelos getting involved in that. Boys and girls, that's why we criticize Peter Angelos, not because he's cheap. Because the past uh, several years, he's shown the willingness to put money into this team. Um, so, so that's a myth. Peter Angelos isn't, isn't cheap. Um, which is re- related to, to my next myth. And that's the myth that everyone's taking for granted that we have zero sh- a zero percent shot of re-signing M- Manny Machado. This again is not true. Every time I, we can and we do have the ability to re-sign Manny Machado, every time I look at the layout of the contracts, I get excited. I get excited because we have several guys coming off the books this year who aren't key contributors to this team. Every right. key contributor to, to 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 this team is under contract. To 2018 or beyond, um, there, there, yep. there, there's no one. Um, you're gonna lose a ball to Jimenez. Chris Tillman's contract's up. Seth Smith's contract's up. Like all, that's a lot of money. To come up. If you trade Zach Britton, that's another 12 million dollars off the book. There's a lot of money that's gonna be available in this off season. I'm really excited to see what the Orioles do. They could choose to re-sign a scope, re-sign a Machado, or they could put a lot of money into, into pitching, into, pitching, into right. starting pitching. Right. Um, and so. There's going to be, and people forget this, there's going to be a lot of money that the Orioles are going to have 
to spend because, I mean, there's the incremental raises for your Manny Machados and for your um, Jonathan Scopes. But outside of that, the players we have right now, are you going to re-sign any of them to, make, to, to, to big deals? The only guy I see between um, J.J. Hardy, I think, is gone. He's gone. $14 million. He's gone. Obal Jimenez, $13.5 million. He's gone. He's gone. Seth Smith is $7 million. I think he's, he's gone. gone. Especially got, with the way Austin guys Hayes is playing. Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins. Mullins. Yeah, you're going to replace Seth Smith, and it's yep. going to cost you no money. Yep. Um, uh, uh, who else? Who else is up? Uh, Chris Tillman, he's the guy that we might re-sign. Yeah, well, uh, but again, that's only because we need pitching. And he's making $10 million this year. He's not going to make $10 million next no, year. No, he's probably got down to eight. If, he, if we can get a one-year eight eight million, that yeah. might be a good deal for him. Yeah, and if we do a two or three-year deal, I think it'd be even a lot less than eight million. Yeah, yeah, two to three is probably six and a half to seven a year, I would think, at the at the way he's pitched this season. Yeah, so we, there's just a lot of that money coming off the book, and and where, where are you going to put it? So I see either you're going to put it in either resigning players or getting started pitching or doing a combination of both. Right. But there's money available to do that. And, we, and that broken, there's money available to sign. And all that, all that stuff speaks to it's not time to rebuild. Yeah. Because if you're going to rebuild, you wouldn't have you wouldn't put money into Jonathan's scope. Yeah. You wouldn't. Uh, Machado is going to cost a lot, but you're going to have those conversations. Yeah. And I mean, if you're talking about okay, so that his contract starts in 2019. I mean, you have a completely different team. There's no one besides right. Chris Davis who's under contract past 2019. Unless one of the young players are still in arbitration. So the money's there if you want to invest that much. And we have Chris Davis is the only one sitting with a big contract, $23 million. It's not unreasonable to think that you have a guy making $23 million and a guy making $30 million, both on your team. We can do that and still fill the rest of the team. Yeah, you're right. right. And then part of that, it will definitely be pitching. It's got to be pitching. Especially when you're, you're, you're playing World Series next year you're playing for. Even though you're, you're, we're talking about... Hey, look at all these other spots that we can make this window larger. Yeah. Oh, and that's my next myth is the window is shut right now. And if it's not, if you look at all no. the contracts, all the contracts of 2018 and 2019, uh, the, 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 the Britain, the Brox, the Machado, two, 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 uh, the 2018. Machado's the big one. Yeah. And then next year, and Adam Jones, 18 too. And the next year, 19 is Scope and Darren O'Day. Right. Uh, but Scope, I would Darren say. Darren O'Day and Trumbo. But I would say the Jones, the Jones, does, Jones losing Jones doesn't close your window. He's getting older. You've got we've got some outfielders coming up. Yeah, Cedric Mullins uh, is looking like he could be a guy that could really step into that center field role. Yeah, or Austin Hayes too is the guy. Yeah. Um, so when people say the window's closing it, after next year, they're talking about two guys. Well, no, you know they're Zach ta- Britton and Manny Machado. And when they trade Zach, Zach Britton away, they're talking about one guy, Manny Machado. That's no. the window, I guess, right? They're, they're, what they're talking about is what they know as Oriole fans. Since they jumped on the bandwagon and the Orioles started winning. They, they, the, the Oriole winning way is defined by these 20 guys yeah. that have been here. Yeah. When you got to look past that with, yeah, we don't have, again, you look at our, pit, our, our farm system. We're the worst ranked, one of the worst ranked farm systems. That's because of pitching. Yeah. So pitching's a problem, definitely. Yeah. They're yeah. going to have to spend money on pitching. And one could argue that Daniel Ket, since he's been here, traded about three or four low prospect pitchers who turned out to be right. high prospect good pitchers and if we still have them in our system we would not be such a bad fit. right but you, all, but you also but you also got to look at all right if we spend money on pitching then where else how do you feel the rest of the team we've got some outfielders that can come up yeah we re-sign scope he takes care of second base or shortstop yeah you davis is here locked in mancini's here locked in yeah well i mean that's the key right to have enough players making no money 
And who are those guys making no money? The guys pre-arbitration. Right. The guys like who, who, Trey Mancini's pre-arbitration right now. Um, next year, hopefully, we're going to have a guy like Austin Hayes. And Chancisco, another guy no, that's going to be there for a while. What it is, is it's 2012 all over again. Yeah. It's a bunch of young guys yeah. that, that you, you have hope in, and, and hopefully they can build on this. It's, it's, we're restarting what you did five years ago. Yeah. Which is what, as a mid-market team, that's what you got to do. Yeah, and there does not need to be a, oh, a window shut, window open type deal here. Right. All right. We, I got to wrap it up here because we we're going to our first guest. So I have two myths still left. Oh, you're good. Your guest hasn't called in yet. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Then I'll get to myth number six. And that's rebuilding a team is easy. People have this notion. I think it's because young people play too many video games. And they have this notion that rebuilding a team is easy. It's easy? Yeah, but it's not easy. And I'll talk more about that after we Let's talk see. to our... Uh, you used to call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone. Well, Section 336 is excited to be joined by Anthony Crum. Anthony, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, this is exciting for me because uh, uh, you are, of course, of a former student of mine at, at ACS. When, when was that? Was that um, When did you graduate ACS? Was that 2012? 2013. 2013. when I graduated. All right. All right. Um, and then since then, you've been That at, was your last year. That was my last year. I know. I, I said, Crum's leaving. I'm out of here, too. And so I, I left right after you. <laughs> And so you went off Good to deal. you went off to Florida, and so I know we were message, we were messaging back and forth a little bit about you doing some play by play with ESPN Gainesville. But can you talk to us? Kind of, I'm curious to know what what have you been up to down there, and, and what are you doing? Um, so I go to the University of Florida, and I'm a telecommunications major. I graduate in December. Nice. And um, what I've really been doing is I work with the ESPN Gainesville radio station, and we do some play by play for Gator Sports. But then this summer, I've been doing play-by-play for Little League Baseball, Dixie Youth tournaments, state tournaments around here. And then the World Series is next month in Alabama. So all of our games are on YouTube. And we go out and we set up a video camera and we call the games for all the divisions. Oh, that's very cool. So what ages are we talking about? Um, anywhere from, I've called T-ball games <laughs> to 15, 16-year-olds. T-ball games, like 40 runs each side. So... <laughs> Any type of range, age range is is what we're looking at. For wow, those. that's T ball. I would um, is is that T ball game on YouTube? I might go search for that T ball game that you're calling just to hear you call forty runs. It's it's pretty exciting, and those kids are a lot better than you think they're going to be. Like they hit line drives, and these kids catch them, and I don't think I would be able to catch it. These <laughs> kids are like four and five, and they're making the catches. So it's actually pretty impressive to watch a uh, all star T ball team. But but go at it. But don't you feel bad when you're you're calling the the T ball game and the and the batter cannot hit the ball and it's just knocking the T over? This is this is all stars when you're when you're at the state division, so it's the kids plucked from each small team in the state to make one really good team, so all the kids usually can hit by that time. Yeah, because Josh is trying to talk about his own experience uh, playing T ball. Your experience, Josh, isn't true for everybody had, else's experience. Had, how do you call how do you pick an all star T ball player? That's what I want to know. <laughs> That's got to be the coach's sons all get together. You'd be surprised how good some of these kids are. They 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 go slide into the ground and they fire all the way to first from third base, and 
I've seen I've seen kids my age that can't even make that throw. <laughs> All right, time for the Orioles to start uh, get a scout we'll get, down there. Now we got in trouble doing that before in Korea, scouting twelve year olds. You got to be careful with that. Uh, well, Anthony, we're excited to talk to you. <laughs> There's a huge series going on between the Rays and Orioles. I don't know if it's more important for the Tampa Bay Rays or the Orioles. There's a big debate going on in Baltimore right now whether or not we should be buyers or sellers. Tampa Bay is traditionally a team that has sold um, sell, sell, selling guys before their um, arbitration is up. This year, do you anticipate the Rays continuing going the selling route, or could this be a year you know in the wild, leading the wildcard now? Could, could, could this be a year that Tampa Rays actually buy at the deadline? I doubt we're going to do a lot of buying, but I definitely don't think we're we're selling. We picked the up uh, Sergio Romo, and I think that's about all we're really going to do. We've <laughs> okay. done, we have made some good moves, getting like a Danny Echevarria and yeah. those kind of depth players to help us out when that's when we really fell off last year. But we really don't have the type of money if we want to be good this year and also be good in the future to be real big buyers before this deadline. Yeah, and that's uh, somehow you guys, as we're watching uh, Blake Snell's pitching tonight, somehow you guys are able to do the thing that the Orioles try to do, been trying to do, I think, since I've been an Oral fan. Develop. Is that develop a starting pitcher. And you guys seem to do it left and right, developing start starting pitching. And and can we just like get your entire player development crew and just have them work for the Orioles? Because the Orioles can't develop a pitcher to save their life, and Tampa Bay just says it over and over again. Why? I mean, I don't even know their secret, but all the time you see them trading for these pitcher prospects. When we get rid of when we get rid of players, Blake Snell was one of those that we've brought up, yeah, f- for years now. And I mean, he struggled this year, but I think in a few years he could be leading our rotation. Yeah, yeah, ab- 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 absolutely. So this series is looked from the Orioles' perspective as as a huge series. Um, from from a Tampa Bay perspective. Um, do you guys see yourselves as being able to compete with the Red Sox this year? Or are you guys making those? Because, I mean, if you want to compete with the Red Sox, it seems to be like go all in and try to get a U Darvish or something. But if you're just, it seems like in small moves like Tampa Bay likes to do for money and other reasons, um, it seems like you guys are just playing for a wild card. Do, do you think Tampa Bay Rays have what it takes uh, to kind of stay? I know they've had some great halves of, of, of offensive seasons from guy like, guys like Dick, Dickerson and stuff. Do, do you think they have they have the staying power to, to stay in the wild card lead? I think we have the team to make the postseason right now with the wild card. I wouldn't say we can compete with the Red Sox, but from watching our division all year, I always think from the beginning three teams were going to make the wild card. But now, or make the playoffs rather, but now yeah. that the Yankees have their starting pitcher hurt, I feel like our our division is really open. I think we have the. I think we definitely have the team to make it there. We we've shown the offensive capabilities. We don't even have Kiermaier right now. Once we get him back, I definitely think we can make a run. I don't think we need to bring anyone in to compete with the Red Sox. I think we already probably can. We're only three and a half games behind them, I believe, right now. Yeah, I think we can make a run. Yeah. Well, speaking of competing, the Rays had a big weekend this uh, this past weekend where they got swept by the Rangers. Right after the Rangers. Swept uh, Baltimore, the Orioles swept ball, Rangers out of four games, and everyone said, "Oh well, it's because the Rangers suck." Now the Rangers go play Tampa, and they sweep them out of three games. What went wrong for the Rays this weekend? I feel like a lot went wrong for us this weekend. Ever since the All Star break, Dickerson hasn't been hitting as well. We already saw him strike out at the beginning of this game, and 
Archer didn't pick his best, pitch his best. Odorizzi, a home run pitcher, went up against a home run hitting team. That didn't go well for us. We've lost four straight after the last game against the Athletics and then three straight to the Rangers. So now we're just trying to come back against the Orioles, get our foot in back and keep on with this season. Yeah, you guys have a, I'm sure, I don't, I haven't checked out the farm system for Tempe Rays. I'm sure you guys got a bunch of young pitchers in there. Are you guys interested? Because we're trying to sell a, a Zach Britton here. Uh, are you guys, you guys could use some more relief help. I'm sure Zach Britton, dominant re- re- relief pitcher. Um, do you guys have any uh, pitchers you could give us for Zach Britton? Are you guys open to, to making that kind of deal? Probably not, right? Because Zach Britton's another guy who has one more year and you're paying him $12 million right. for a reliefer. Uh, Tampa Bay doesn't pay twelve million dollars for relief. No, pitchers. but we could trade him to Tampa, and I'm sure Tampa could teach him how to shoot those arrows into the air. <laughs> hey, all of our closing pitchers have all been the Fernando Rodney. We have Colome now, Vane, like guys that they'll come in in that one out situation, and they're always going to let at least one dude get second to make <laughs> your life miserable. Yeah, the Orioles, so. knew, before Zach Britton, we knew an awful lot about that. At, at least we don't have to put up with that anymore, at least until we trade. Um, until we trade. For, from a Tampa Bay Rays perspective, I bet you're hoping that the Orioles sell, right? Like, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the Blue Jays sell so they'll be e- easier to beat because you play so many divisional games. Uh, I bet Tampa Bay is hoping that the Orioles sell. I don't know if we will or not, but I bet Tampa Bay, you guys are hoping we, we will sell because the AL East is good. Uh, and the more teams who sell, the better it is for the teams that that are, that are left. I think we're definitely the best division in baseball right now. Even with the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Orioles. Like You look at our bottom division, you guys and the Blue Jays, and those teams can beat up on almost every other division. Our division is so stacked. If we can water down our division a little bit, it definitely would be a good thing all around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you look at the American League, yeah, like the Chicago White Sox are a joke. Um, the Oakland Athletics are kind of a joke. And we don't have those kind of joke-type teams in the AL East. You're always, day in and day out, going go, go to have a battle. Um, it's interesting if you look at it. I was The last two days, the Orioles lost two, two days ago to the Astros, which is disappointing because I saw every other team in the division lost that, 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 that day. Then yesterday... Um, I looked at it, and the Orioles won. And the only other team to win in the division was the, were, were the Yankees. It seems like, for how good the AL East has been all year, it seems like you have Boston, Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, all kind of struggling at the same time. And it's open, right? I'm looking at the last 10. And everyone's at 6-4, and 5-5, and five, or 3-7. and seven. Like, no one's playing great baseball. It seems like it's open for the one whole, team to get hot. But that's the whole American League. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. It's it's very competitive, but it just seems like one team just needs to win eight out of ten, and they can make that move. I don't know if Tampa Bay is the team, but it's interesting just how competitive the AL East is this year. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's definitely been crazy all year. Being a Rays fan, we've only been four games over five hundred or three games under five hundred all year. We've stayed like in that range of seven games, so we haven't had any crazy winning streaks or any crazy losing streaks. That must be We're nice. Just hovering in the middle and waiting, waiting for a breakout is what I've been saying all year. Waiting for that game, that stretch where all of our starting pitchers can pitch well and we win six or seven straight games. It just hasn't happened yet. Hopefully, it happens soon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. From a from an Orioles standpoint, this series right now, 
against the Tampa Bay is, is really kind of huge because we're trying to make a decision whether to buy or sell. Right now, we're seven games out of uh, uh, out of the AL East, and we're three and a half back in the in the wild card. And of course, with um, Tampa Bay sitting in front of us, like this is, we're like edge of our seats, must win, or we're going to blow up the whole team. How so? It's a huge series from the Baltimore standpoint. How big of a series is this series versus Baltimore from a Tampa Bay perspective? Well, first being of the fact that we seem to never be able to beat you guys. <laughs> it's a big series for us because you guys are the thorn in our side. We seem to play 500 against everyone else other than you guys in our division. <laughs> so we're, we're just trying to prove to ourselves right now that we can beat the Orioles. But then also coming off four straight losses, yeah, yeah. Uh, two or three Two or three wins in the division could definitely go well into starting back the winning streak after this all-star break. Yeah. Man, I was just looking at it. And Kansas City's won five five in a row. And so just like that, a, a mediocre team in Kansas City wins five in a row. And all of a sudden, they're they're setting a, they're t- tied for you guys with that wild card spot. So it just it's so amazing. All it takes is uh, a streak here or there. And I guess you're fortunate. I don't know if it's unfortunate or fortunate. I mean, unfortunate that you guys haven't had a breakout this year. Like the Orioles started off like twenty-two and ten, hottest team in baseball, and then we totally tanked. Like our season has been a season of extremes, kind of the opposite direction of uh, of Tampa Bay, and we're hoping that Tampa Bay can help us get another extreme upward momentum. But um, Anthony, it was it's really good talk talking to you, man. I'm excited to hear that you're you're doing well. Um, I'm I'm excited to hear what happens. I mean, you, you graduate in December. What what do you, do you have any plans yet after you graduate? That's a ways um, away. Right now, I'm probably looking at grad school or law school at the moment. Okay. So we'll have to figure out what goes on after I graduate in December and see where the application process takes me. Okay. Well, when you know, the, yeah, go, go ahead, Josh. Uh, well, I was just gonna say we've got a softball game in a couple of weeks. If he wants to come do some play by play. Yo, bit. Video me in. I got you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, hopefully we'll have you on again when we have a Tampa Bay Rays, Baltimore Orioles, one-game playoff scenario yeah. uh, as we're the two wildcard teams. And we'll have you back on to talk about the game and, and, and get us ready. I feel like that's a great plan. But I do have a question for you guys before oh, yeah. we go. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I need I need the opinion on the Chris Davis contract after it's been it's been going for a while now. No one wants to talk about that anymore. The, 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 hold on, the, there's been the injury issue. He's had a couple nagging injuries that's kept him out a little bit. Today he's out with I guess an illness. Apparently, I don't know exactly what that means. Um, seafood. But but let's be clear, he's a little bit into, into this deal. He's still we still got a ways to go. Right? <laughs> like we still got another right. twenty years or something with this deal. Um, but I think at the time. <laughs> At the time, everyone thought that's a really long deal. It probably won't work out. I don't know. I feel like even an average Chris Davis is – I'm okay with it. I mean, he's making $23 million a year, which is probably more than Chris Davis is worth and probably more than any other team would would, would pay for him. But still, at the end of the day, I'm glad Chris Davis is on my team. I don't think anyone's going to look back and think this is a great contract, a great deal. But I still like the fact that Chris Davis is – is hitting bombs for my team. He's not with somebody else, so not to mention answer. not to mention defensively, he's above average. Yeah, he's always a really good first baseman. So, so we're so happy when, with it. Yeah, in in two years, we we might be thinking this is the worst deal of all time. But right now, we're we're okay with the deal. We're okay with it. That's true. And his contract's so high. If he goes anywhere, the Yankees are going to pay him. So 
that's that's uh, that's the only place he could probably go. Yeah, I don't know though. After the Yankees <laughs> sign Manny Machado, if they'll have any money left for Chris Davis, that's the question. And D- Davis's yeah, contract is all Machado back. Machado and Harper. Yeah, yeah. Once they sign Machado and Harper, they'll have no money left. <laughs> so problem solved. There we go. Hey, uh, then they'll just be beating up on us. So <laughs> exactly. Now, now, how much do you pay attention to the minor league systems down there? The Tampa Tampa's minor league farm system. I will. I watched Blake Snow when he went down this year, but other than that, I don't okay. delve too much into it because watching one team is enough. Right. No, I get that. I was just wondering if there's any talk or uh, any highlights on Rays television about how friend our friend Jonah Heim is doing. You guys got him with the Steve Pierce deal last year. Uh, yeah, he was a recurring guest in our show. Definitely worked out and, for you guys. Yeah, and the Orioles traded away. Had traded. We don't have that many recurring player guests on our show, <laughs> and one of them got traded to the Rays, which we're still a little annoyed his, by. His grandmother used to correspond with us. Yeah. But... All right. Well, I will. I will definitely keep tabs on him. Yeah, on Jonah Heim. Yeah. Now that I know who I'm looking. Yeah, for. he's on the Stone Crabs. Yeah. yeah the, the 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 next time you're on the show, I'm going to ask you a first question. How is Jonah Heim doing? All right, I want to answer. I did go to a single A baseball game the other day to watch the one and only Tim Tebow play at the Port St. Lucie Mets. <laughs> and how Tim Tebow do? So. He hit a home run. <laughs> Sounds about right. That's all he does. Uh, see, I'm waiting. Machine. I'm waiting for the Mets to bring hey, him up in September. Then I'll he, go watch. He's he's gonna make it. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> I, I hope he does. Well, <laughs> well Anthony, I, we really appreciate you coming on here talking some Rays uh, baseball. And it's I mean it's great to talk to a former student, man. I'm excited to hear that you're doing well. And let's and let's talk again. Sounds good. You, right. I will look forward to it. All right. See you, man. I hung up on him. You just cut him off. His his. His uh, sign off. He, he probably had some cool catchphrase sign up, and you, what, and you like, cut him off. What do you think? It's uh, go race. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> He's some probably something cool. That's lame. Uh-huh. That's probably something cooler. I don't know what it was. Is it your sign off go O's. Yeah, it's lame. Uh huh. Probably something cool. He should. If I was a Tampa Bay guy, I'd be pushing for the race to bring back the Devil race. I, I I'd like bring to, back I'd the like, devil. Yeah, bring back the devil. I I would be wearing all the old Rays uh, jerseys and everything with the devil on it. All right. So some uh, comments from the, the, the chat room. Um, Jacob says, all I ask right now is that we finish over 500 by the time the season's over. I guess you uh, readjust your expectations. Um, but if we have a good run, I'll raise, I'll raise my expectations for a wild card spot. I think that's fair. Uh, Joy says, husband cited Section 336 magnet on Blue Civic, just like yours. Nice. We got some more magnets. Got another batch in if anyone wants them. You drive a Civic? No, I don't drive a Civic. I don't know what a Civic is. It's a little girly car. Yeah. Uh, you know who doesn't drive a Civic? Adam Jones, who just drove a home run. one nothing Orioles. Playing pretty well down in Tampa. Oh, yeah, who, who's that? Who got the run? Adam Jones? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jacob, did, did, did Jacob ask this question before, or you asked it, how's Jonah Heim do, doing down there? Did he ask that question first? I don't pay attention to the chat. I don't know. You 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 didn't see him ask that question. No, I don't pay attention. Okay, I think just like you sometimes steal my talking points when you go on other talk shows. I thought maybe you stole. I did, I did steal Jacob's one of your question. talking points this uh, Saturday on uh, the Battle Round with Stan Charles. Yeah. So we're gonna have in a few minutes. We're gonna have uh, Justin McGuire from yeah. Baseball by the Book yeah. on here. So our second interview in one show. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, we've, we've done that before. In person. I don't know if we've done two phone calls yeah. at once. Um, 
what's uh, what books are you reading now? Baseball books? I'm not reading any baseball books. Why not? I, I'm read. I just I was telling you I just started the streak book. Yeah. And you know we can't get uh, that guy on. We're not that big time. Why not? Actually, we, we probably can. I just didn't ask yeah. because I got to read the book first. Has a streak guy? Uh, this is about the life of a streaker. I don't know if that really counts as sports. Um, has, has this guy uh, been on uh, McGuire show? John Eisenberg? Yeah. No, uh, he hasn't yet. I'm assuming he'll be on there yeah. soon. The, the, the problem is my favorite, and I have a couple of favorite baseball books, um, but the authors of my said favorite baseball books are dead. So what, Matt, Matt Christopher? Is Matt, Matt is he dead? I don't know if he's dead, but that, that, that's the childhood baseball books, that, right? Uh, elementary school, he was, my, he was my favorite author. He delved into other sports once in a while, but I think it was a lot of baseball. Yeah, I mean, he had everything. He had every sport. Field hockey, I think he had one. Now, see, I've got girls. Yeah. You've got a boy. Yes. So have you gotten the, the David Ortiz book or the uh, Cal Ripken books? No. I, the closest I've gotten to a celebrity, I've gotten the Jimmy Fallon book. The Jimmy Fallon book. Yeah, he's got a he's got a best selling children's book, Call Me Dad or something. I think it's called Call Me Dad. Well, why do you want your kid to call Jimmy Fallon Dad? No, it's supposed to, he's supposed to end up thinking call me Dad, okay. and the book's supposed to help him call me Dad. All right, so I should read that to your son this week. Yeah, well, we're and away they, together, just, so he calls me Dad. He just came out with a new one. He just came out with a new one. Do you know what's called? Call me Mom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's, he's on to something. Yeah, man. he's on to something. I, I can see. Call me brother. Call me sister. Call me your second great aunt. I'm trying aunt. to think. I think the book goes, it's just like him going through a zoo, and he talks to like a duck, and he says, are you my dad? And the duck says, quack. And nah. then he goes up to a horse, are you my dad? No, and the horse goes, nay. Yeah. That's an old book. He's ripping that book off. Has that book already happened before? Yeah, and it's a little bird, and it wakes up out of its nest, and its mom isn't there, so it goes around to the cow. Are yeah, my- yeah, that's the book. That's, That's not a Jimmy Jim- Fallon's book. That is not a Jimmy Fallon book. That's I just read it. Jimmy does, Fallon's book. Does, wait, does he go to like a, a big uh, bulldozer thing and say, "Are you my dad? Are you my mom?" I, I don't think I don't think there's a bulldozer. There's a bulldozer, book. and the bird goes to it. Oh, see, that's why it's different. There's just no bull, 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 bulldozer. Jimmy Fallon book. totally ripped this crap off. I read this book to Camden all the time, oh, really? and she laughs and says, "That's a cow. That's not his mom." Yeah. Jimmy Fallon's the. Oh no! This is it's actually um, called Dada. So I think it's call me Dada, not not call me. Uh, uh, mama. Well, Your baby's first word will be Dada. That's yeah. fine. He can go. Da- call me Mama. Call me Gigi. Yeah. Call me Papa. He can go, still go down that same thing. But write your own book, Jimmy. Stop stealing other people's books. Uh, I, but the uh, the streak. It's been really cool to like re-listen to. You know, we've all watched it. We know the lap. We've seen all that. But to listen to it retold is cool. This is this a new book? Yeah, it came, came out, out just a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, I am recently listened to the part where they talk about Cal Ripken Sr. and him growing up. And how, like, when he was in the Orioles minor leagues, he was also the bus driver. Like, he would drive the bus because Earl Weaver fired the bus driver. So, Cal Sr. had to drive while being while being the catcher. Yeah. And Th- there's something about that, and, and we'll get into this when we talk to Justin. Something uh, baseball just isn't the same as it was. No, the, even the, thir- the, thirty years ago, like, you would never have uh, any type of coach drive a bus. <laughs> no, you don't have Chance Cisco driving a bus. You're you're babying him and raising yeah. him, and and yeah. and, and part of there's it is so much money involved and egos involved. And that's, you just don't have. Isn't it's that a big, like it used to And be. it's not a big difference. Is the egos, and and the way that we're raising kids now as like in 
elementary and high school to try to make them professional ball players is different than like hard. It doesn't it doesn't seem like the same hard work. And it talks about how back then, like you would never want to be pulled out of a game because you might lose your spot. Yeah. So like it taught guys like Cal Senior and other guys to just play through the pain. Yeah. And how like well, we see that happen in football all the time, right? Right. A guy gets hurt, the next guy comes up. And he's good. Yeah and, yeah. and the other guy who got hurt never gets another shot. Right, right. At least with that team. Yeah. And, and of course, in football, you're, you're just plugging yourself with painkillers to get back out there. They didn't have all this back then. Right. They were just going back out there and dealing with the pain. Right. It tells a gruesome story about Cal Senior playing soccer, and he stepped on a nail. So he came into the house with a drill and drilled the nail out of his foot and then went back out to play soccer some more. <laughs> Sounds horrible. Yeah, that's pretty intense. But the, the, the streak is something, the more you think about it, the more you just appreciate it, right? The more, like, um, it's, the more you realize how... There's just so many weird and freaky things that happen every day in a baseball game. Yeah. Like even Manny Machado, who's like the ultimate gamer, or Adam Jones' ultimate gamer, stuff happens. But it's even also, like suspensions, like stuff happens. Right, but it's also like, yeah, like today Chris Davis is sick. Yeah. Uh, earlier he lost some time with a, uh, some, what was his hand injury? Thumb a issue, thumb, yeah, yeah. Like a, a uh, not callus, but like a bruise or a cut yeah. or something. And like guys, like even Cal Jr. played through crap like that. If oh, you he have puts to. it in his ankle, he just went back out there and played. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to. Yeah. So because it, stuff happens. Right. Right. Now, now the, do you know what the other difference is? The money. And the fact that as a major league team, the rosters are larger. And why do you want to put Chris Davis out there with a minor injury? When you put all this money into it, right? You want to baby them, and you're so worried about how much that player the, the long term concerns, yeah. yeah. And you have this beautiful thing called the 10 day DL, where you can call up another guy. That's <laughs> the, that's the greatest invention Buck somehow convinced them to do. Yeah. I got now. Now this is your you you set this interview up, and I'm excited to talk to him. Yeah, because I really enjoy this podcast. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's based by the by the book Justin McGuire. What's your What's your favorite baseball book? Do you have Ooh, a favorite ba- favorite baseball or even book. sports book? Do you have a? I mean, I know you've read the Moneyball. Yeah, and I think uh, I think they're all I think they're all enjoyable. I don't think there's any that I go back and like read multiple times. Um, I really liked uh, what's the the uh, the new Moneyball? I thought that one about the Pirates, Big Data Baseball, Big Data Baseball. Yeah, I thought that was really good. I liked that a lot. Um, Especially since it was more of like a Moneyball changed things. So now what? Now what? And it was like the next level Moneyball. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. Buck was talking about this the other night about how he feels everyone has the same amount of data now. Everyone has the same information. So there's yeah, no advantages like there used to be. Well, the advantage is how you use it. Yeah. I mean, everyone's always had the same data. It's just how you use it. Well, not everyone always didn't have the same data. I mean, Earl I Weaver was famous for going there and, sure. and, and writing down data and having data that not everybody else had but now everyone has access to all the same metrics and all that data right right but it's just how yeah it's how you use it yeah how, how important do you find that data um yeah what information do you utilize like if you were running a team you you'd probably fire the whole sabermetrics department and you would say we're doing this all in gut instinct which might be similar to what dan duquette does i don't know i th- i mean i think that's how buck manages the team oh i think he's too smart for that 
I think he looks at that. You think he looks at stats? Oh, absolutely. Or you think he just trusts other people to look at stats for him? No, I mean, some things you scratch your head. Like, why is Adam Jones leading off? Like, there's some moves that make you scratch your head. Right, because that doesn't fit in stats. No, and and, and Buck Showalter will come back. Well, these are human beings, personalities who have preferences, and and there's a lot that doesn't come out in the stats. And, And so, and Buck's probably right about that. I mean, like, there's a different mentality of leading off, right? Like, sure, sure, like, you're supposed to take pitches. You might take more pitches. And Adam Jones selective. doesn't do that. So maybe this forces him to be a little more selective. He feels compelled to be more selective. And that will show up in no yeah. stat book that he feels somehow mentally compelled to be more selective. But Adam Jones is also, or uh, Buck also gives to the point of he wants certain guys to have more at-bats. So he'll say, I'll put Adam Jones up at the top because I want him to see, the, see more at-bats. And I, I was looking. Yeah, in, but if you're gonna do that, why wouldn't you put your best hitter up there? Well, I was looking into that. Like put Jonathan Scope at first. I was uh, thinking leading off from Trey Mancini leading off. Right, and I was taking note about that on Saturday when I was at the game because I noticed Manny Machado and Adam Jones. Adam Jones always bats one position ahead of Manny. Yeah. Whether it's two and three or one and two. Right. Adam Jones is always right in front of Manny Machado. Right. How many more at bats does Adam Jones have than Manny Machado this year? Oh, I don't know. Uh, um, as Manny Machado, how often has Manny Machado been suspended this year? How many games played? Are they similar with games played? I think they're very similar in games played. Uh, I would say maybe 15 more bats. Five. Oh, five. Five more bats. That's it. That's yeah. how much difference basically one slot makes. Yeah, and, and the lineup, you can say. And that's in half a year. So you're who, saying 10 at bats. Who's batting first? Who's batting second? After that first time up, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Like, people talk so much about the lineup and where people should be heading. At the end of the day, if you have a lineup that hits, it doesn't matter where they bat. Like, your yarn score runs, the lineup hits. Right, right. I think too you, much is made of that. Right, and I, I get, I get the whole that first time through saying, all right, I want to if if things aren't going well, I want this guy to be leading off and try to start something up. But but it's but logical, one hit, right? One hit throws your whole system off as far as that. Yeah, but it's, it's for me, it's pretty logical that we talk all all the time about how it's be nice to have a leadoff hitter who has a good on base percentage. Well, that's because the guy you want hitting the most again, getting the most opportunities, you want a guy who gets on base a lot. It's kind of it's like pretty basic common sense here stuff right like give me the guy who gets on base the most let him have the most at bats uh not like it's not rocket science setting up this lineup so i think sometimes people tend to overthink setting up a lineup if i had a lineup i I don't even care their speed i wouldn't care anything i don't care about all i'm looking at is one stat obp show me their obp and i'll make the entire lineup card uh just based on that one single stat obp and I bet I make a pretty decent uh, lot, lot lineup with that, ignoring the home runs, ignoring the RBI, right. ignoring well, the batting average, just OBP. Just give me the guys who get on the base the most what and you, put them at the top of my what lineup. What are you, Ned Yost all of a sudden? <laughs> He's a genius baseball mind. So, but, but what do I know? Not much. True. You used to call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need me. Section 336, excited to be joined by Justin McGuire, host of Baseball by the Book podcast, a podcast that features interviews with baseball's best authors. Uh, Justin, thank you for joining us here at Section 336. Uh, No problem. Glad to be here. Josh is a fan of your podcast. He got me hooked on your podcast. Um, He told me about it. And the first thing I did is I went through all the episodes and found and I listened to uh, the episode about Brooks Robinson. And I learned that you're also an Orioles fan. So I'm excited not just to be joined by uh, the host of a great book, baseball book podcast, but also 
joined by an Orioles fan, so I'm excited about that. Talk some Orioles, too. Yeah, I am an Orioles fan since 1977, so I've been been out for 40 years or so, and uh, been through some good times and a lot (laughs) of bad times as well, as you know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the great part, is you don't try to hide that. I think think your Oriole fandom sneaks into every episode you put out in some way or another, because you, like us, grew up in that time frame of watching baseball and for what you knew growing up baseball was the Orioles yeah exactly I mean it's just a big part of my baseball fandom um I have a 14 year old son who um, has become an Orioles fan now too so it's honestly it's probably a bigger part of my life now than it was you know when I was in my 30s you know when I was um uh before I had kids and so it's um it, it's interesting, you know, when you, when, it, when your son and your next generation takes it on, it, it takes on a, di- a whole different look, a whole different feel to it. Now, you know, you, that comes into a topic we've discussed many times because we, we live out, outside of Baltimore in Annapolis, and, and uh, we have always talked about what do you do if you live out of state and have to raise a kid? You've got to raise them still as an Oriole fan. So you're down in North Carolina, right? Yeah, I'm in western North Carolina. I'm in a little town called Hendersonville, just uh, south of Asheville. Is that still Oriole territory? No, this is, um, to the extent that people care about baseball at all here, I would say it's Braves territory. Um, It's more, you know, college basketball, college football, NFL country than anything. Um, But, yeah, to the extent that people are fans, I think it's probably more Braves area. Uh, But but the good thing with, with modern technology is, it's really easy, like, for my son to keep up with it. You know, we have the extra innings package. He has the MLB app uh, on his phone, so he can watch, you know, as many games as he wants to, and he can, you know, follow their accounts on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And so he knows everything that's going on. He, he listens to podcasts. He listens to Orioles, you know, Orioles podcasts and minor league prospects. Uh, podcast. I mean, he knows as much as he would know living in Baltimore, honestly. All right. Now, he chose the Orioles. Was that a choice, or did you kind of force the Orioles on to him? Well, I I think it was a, a combination of the two. I think he, um, you know, when, when he was young, I, I certainly didn't want to force him to be a fan of anything, but, you know, it was the team that I cared about, and so I think he just naturally gravitated towards it. And when, you know, what happened, it was kind of, um, I think, some good timing is that that 2012 season, he was, I guess he was nine at the time. Uh, he turned nine during that season, and I think that kind of hooked it because it was such an exciting and fun year, you know, and he really got into them yeah. that year. I think if they had continued to be terrible um, like they had been the previous 14 seasons, I don't know that he would have been an Orioles fan. He might have become a Nationals fan or something else because he had shown some interest in the Nationals when he was yeah. younger. Um, so I don't know what would have happened, but I think that 2012 season and then the subsequent success, you know, in, in 2014 particularly, really really hooked him on the Orioles. Yeah, and that, that's that's the age. That's the right age where where it hits. That's for for me. That was the 1989 Why Not series when I was nine years old. That that got me into Orioles yeah, forever. Exactly. And it takes some excitement like that. 89 was very similar to 2012 in a lot of ways. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. We were making the comparisons. Yeah, yeah. The, the comparisons were there. But Justin, we we, had, we we got you on here not to talk about your parenting style, but we got you on here to talk about your awesome <laughs> podcast. And I think this is I think this is a great idea, a podcast about baseball books. And there's something about and I I love to read and I've read a lot of baseball books. And there's something about baseball that just the storytelling, the narrative, it's it just works with baseball more than other sports. Why, why, why do you think? I mean, you talk to authors every week. Why do you think that baseball lends itself to the storytelling? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I guess it would probably be possible, but it would be a lot harder to do this with any other sport. 
but there's so many baseball books that come out every year. I mean, I can't keep up with yeah. just the new books, never mind the old books I want to talk about. And I'm doing this twice a week, so I'm I'm putting out a lot of podcasts, but I just can't keep up with them. You know, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's like like you said, the history of baseball is so rich and it goes back so long. Yeah. Um, it's a sport that you know that just lends itself to uh, to you know mythic mythic characters like Babe Ruth and Jackie Robinson and and you know something like Jackie Robinson is it's not not just a baseball story it's an American story you know there's just so much in the history of baseball and it was such an important part of America for so long I mean for for a century it really was the national pastime I think it's hard to really say it is anymore but it, it was for so long it, it was the sport that people associated with America you know I mean there's the famous story that during World War II the Japanese soldiers um, the, the, the biggest insult they could think to hurl at the American soldiers was, you know, F. Babe Ruth, because he was so famous around the world. He was so in baseball so associated with America. Um, I think it's just it's such a part of the history of the country. It's such a part of the culture. And it also just, you know, as, as I'm sure you guys know and have discussed, it lends itself well to things like statistical analysis and um you know, novels and you know, nonfiction, fiction. There's just so many different things you can do with baseball. I've got an interview coming up with a guy who wrote a couple of graphic novels about baseball. And I think it just lends itself to those things in a way that other sports, which are very much about being in the moment, don't. Yeah. And there's something, and you're right about those, those names become almost like heroic, larger than life names. I know like my, I love uh, baseball going back to the 30s and 40s when you had Joe DiMaggio versus Ted Williams and that that whole rivalry between um, uh, the Red Sox and Yankees. I'm, I'm a big fan of David Haberstam. Like Summer 49 is my favorite all-time baseball book and that kind of era. For, for, for you, is there a favorite era or a favorite type of baseball book? Because you're right, there's some go the data route, some go the, um, the more fiction route. Do, do you have a favorite type of baseball book? Um, you know, I, I like a lot of different kinds of books, but I would say, I would say, just generally speaking, I like books that are about baseball history yeah. of one sort or another, and that could be, you know, nineteenth-century history or, or much more recent history. Um, I really love the seventies because that's when I grew up. I love reading about baseball in the seventies. Um, you know, and, and I like base, I like baseball history books that incorporate what was going on in the real world at the time. You know, I, got, yeah. you know, I just interviewed a guy about um, Hank Greenberg's 1938 season when he almost broke Babe Ruth's single-season home run record. And, you know, that happened in the, the shadow of World War II, which was about to start. And Greenberg was um, the most prominent Jewish athlete in America at the time, really the first Jewish superstar. And so the context there, this Jewish superstar going after Babe Ruth, as the Nazis are, are getting ready to roll over Europe and Jews are fleeing Europe and, and, tr and trying to go to other countries to, to get away from it, it, you know, that context to me just is really interesting. And really, uh, I love stuff like that. I love books that sort of put the history of baseball into a broader context. Yeah, that, 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 what a fascinating time, right? It would never happen now. But you have World War II breaks out, and just most of the players go fight in the war, even the, even the stars, and then after the war, come back and start playing ba baseball again. Um, just baseball, it was just it was different back then. And I agree with you the way that um, the, just the important role that history plays, American specifically American history plays, and how that's tied directly to baseball is is a really cool thing. That has continued. If you look at modern history and how baseball played in the healing process of nine eleven many years ago, is there something about baseball Absolutely. and how it brings people together? 
Yeah, it's true. I, I just, in fact, I, I keep referencing the podcast I just did, but I did one. Uh, a guy wrote a book about Mike Piazza, um, and particularly his role with the Mets. And, of course, that was a big part of it was the homer he hit, um, the three-run homer that he hit. Again, I forget who they were playing, but it was the first game the Mets played after 9-11. And of course, or it was the first game they played in New York after 9-11, I think. Um, so, of course, that was, you know, that, that's still like a legendary moment in Mets history and in baseball history. And, yeah, it just it really lends itself to that sort of thing. You think about, again, the Cal Ripken thing, which you guys are you know, certainly familiar with mm-hmm. when he broke the record. I mean, that was a big, big story uh, nationally, and people all over the world were talking about it. And there's, there's just not a comparable to that in other sports. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have this kind of attention on. There's really, think about it, when's the last time a regular season NBA record got any kind of attention outside of, you know, just hardcore NBA fans. You know, it just doesn't happen. But baseball, you get something as kind of bizarre as a consecutive game streak, and it becomes this legendary thing. Right. Oh, yeah. I, just, I think it's the, Go ahead. It's yeah. the nature of a game where you play so often, 162 games. I think it sort of has to bring, it has to sort of develop the, these legends and these myths and these, these heroes in a way that others maybe don't just because you know, it, it goes on, seasons can go on for so long, and you can have a lot of years where your team isn't relevant. But if you have something like, you know, you have a player like Cal Ripken, it's still, you know, it's still a great thing for your memories about those teams, even if they didn't win the World Series, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, and you're right, because I remember it. Every person in Maryland, every Oriole fan everywhere remembers where they were uh, when Cal Ripken broke the streak, and that was a regular season game. I remember, like, Ravens, I remember Super Bowls, but there's no regular season game I, I remember from 10 years ago uh, or for, from 20 years ago. There, 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 there's no other, that's not true with any other sport where a regular season game can be can be so impactful, and there's so many games, too. It's pretty wild. Um, do you have, so, for, 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 for those of our listeners, um, some of these millennials who don't read anymore, uh, for their, uh, do you have recommendations for, People maybe who just want to get into reading baseball books. What do you want? A, like, a starter pack? A, like a like where should one? If you could recommend, like this is the book you need to read. Um, what books do you recommend that that pe- like important books that people should read? Important baseball books. Well, yeah, I'll give, I'll give you a few um, that that are favorites of mine. Um, the, what I think is probably the greatest and most maybe most important baseball book ever um, was a book called The Glory of Their Times, yep. which was written in 1966 um, by a guy named um, um, Larry Ritter, Lawrence Ritter, who has unfortunately passed away because so, I would love to have him on. But I, I recommend that book to anybody to start with because it's, it's a book, it's an oral history of basically players from the dead ball era. You know, it's guys who played essentially from like, you know, 1900 to about 1920, 1930. Um, It goes a little beyond. There's a couple of players who who played more in the 30s, but mainly it's, you know, the dead ball era type guys. And it's an oral history, and each chapter is just devoted to a different player. But it's so well written and and so well done that you just can't put it, that you can read the whole thing in a couple hours if if you really want to. Um, And it just really paints a picture of that era of baseball. And, And you talk about... You know, we were talking about how baseball kind of has these myths and these heroic, you know, the, the, this kind of heroic uh, aura about it and certain things. It really, you really get that from this. It really makes you want to go back and watch games in that era. And, and it's, a, it's a fun read, and it's a, it's a fairly quick read. And, and I think any baseball fan should read that book. Um, the other book that I always recommend, um, although at this point it's a little bit out of date probably, is the... Um, the Bill James Historical Baseball Abstract, mm-hmm. which originally came out in 1985, 
and then the new version came out, I think, 2001. Um, that's one that I read. Yeah, I think I got, I think I read my freshman year in college. I had read a few of the Bill James annual abstracts before that, but it, it, that's a book that just blew my mind in terms of it's the way that it, it, it explains baseball history to you and baseball statistics and baseball players to you in just a way that I had never thought about before. Um, and, and I think the second edition, which is at this point, you know, gosh, almost 16 years old, um, it's probably worth checking out, even though it's a little bit out of date, but it's, it's still a really good read. Have you ever had a chance to talk? To, have you ever had a chance to talk to Bill James? I have not talked to Bill James. I would love to get him on. Um, he's a little bit hard to get a hold of, as you might imagine. I, I, oh, I can imagine. Um, I've talked yeah. to Rob Nye. Um, I've talked to Rob Nyer, who you know, of course, knows Bill James and worked for him for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of subtly dropped a hint in there that I'd love to talk to him, and he's kind of like, "Yeah, that would be great." <laughs> uh, he didn't offer to, he didn't offer to email me his number or anything. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if anybody knows how to get in touch with him, let me know. But I mean, he has a website and stuff, but I, ha- I haven't actually gone gone to ask him yet. Um, I probably will at some point. But but I've had an opportunity to have a lot of great you know great authors on um, who are you know current authors and some older guys too. Yeah, and that that's the one problem with your podcast is it costs me money every time I listen because I want to read these books after <laughs> hearing you and the author talk about them for thirty forty minutes. Um, have you read? Have you? Yeah, how do you prepare for these? Are, are you reading all of these books? Are you reading two books a week? Yeah, I will say no, but closer than you might think. Because um, basically, when I started, I was essentially just going to books I'd already read. Right, you know, the first month, right. month and a half, it was mainly stuff I'd already read. So I went back and kind of you know refreshed myself, took notes, and that sort of thing. As as time went on, um, yeah, I started getting new books. So. Uh, I would read, I try to read them fairly quickly. Um, and then I, I have some books, I've done some books that, you know, you just don't have to read cover to cover, if that makes sense. I mean, there are books that are more list type books or, you know, kind of, you know, these are the thousand greatest players of all time, or this is, the, you know, the, the some of the um, notable um, no hitters and, hit, you know, stuff like that, where you can kind of go, go through it. You don't have to read it word for word. You can kind of take notes of it. So I've certainly had some that are like that. And then I've also, at some point in, I forget when this was, a few months in, um, I asked for sort of volunteers on Twitter to help me out. And I got this one guy, and it's Scott Perkovich, who is a, um, he, he's a guy who's, you know, he, he's written a baseball book himself. It's coming out soon. He served on the panel of the, the Casey Awards, which is the, the big baseball book awards that, that are given annually by Spitball Magazine. So he's really well qualified, and he, he had some time. So he has read several of the books for me and sent notes. Basically, gives me good, very comprehensive notes and questions to ask. And that, so I've done several that way as well. So it's sort of been a combination of books that I've read, books that I've you know gone through with, you know, gone through and, and kind of hit the highlights, and then books that he's given me information about. Yeah, and I I think Josh is going it about it the wrong way. And what I like to do is know the book, know, know you'll be talking about the book, read the book before you listen to the podcast. And then that's where I think where it's really cool to hear a conversation about a book that you've already read. That's what you should do, Josh. Just a little advice right there. Well, I don't, I don't know. I'd be all interested in the book, and then I'll, suddenly I want to know everything there is to know about the Montreal Expos. Right. Well, that's yeah, that's a book that uh, Jonah Carey's book, Up, Up and Away. I highly recommend that. That's a great read. I mean, Jonah Carey, who I think you know, probably a lot of your listeners are familiar with Jonah. He's one of the you know top baseball writers yes. going. 
he's a great writer and, and he's a passionate Montreal <laughs> Exposed fan. So uh, it's, it's a great read. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's a tough question. Like, which ones do you, um, you know, is, is it more interesting to, to have having read the book or having not read the book? You know, I don't know, you know, because obviously I'm familiar with all of them before I go into it. But yeah, you know, I think I think it would be interesting either way. Honestly, I think it's, it's going to be a different experience for sure, though. Yeah, depending I mean, on whether you read it or not. Yeah, this is biased. This comes from, and I'm an I'm an English teacher, and there's nothing like books. I think are meant to be like it should be a social experience, meant to be read and then discussed with friends. I think that's what books were kind of intended to do, and I think baseball books are the same way. It's intended to be read and then discussed out loud with other people um, to get its full enjoyment out of it. So, but I'm biased in that in that respect. Yeah, and I could certainly see that, but I also recognize that most people aren't going to have time to read 62 books. <laughs> right, and that's the cool thing about your podcast, right? Because we don't need to read all those books. I can, like, to be honest, and you had a couple, and I want to ask you about Mike Messina, because I listened a couple weeks ago, or maybe this past week, you had one on the Hall of Fame. And and who gets in the Hall of Fame, it interests you. I have no interest in this debate about who should and who shouldn't. Except for Mike Messina. Except for when it's related to the Baltimore Orioles. Like, and and then I have two right. questions. Should, should Mike Messina be in the Hall of Fame, and should he go in as an Aurora Yankee? Well, you know they're answer the second question. <laughs> There's no question about that. And, and I, that's not just my bias showing. I mean, if you look at his if you look at his numbers, he was better as an Oriole in every way. I think he all his All Star appearances was were as an Oriole. He won more games, had a lower ERA, more strikeouts, more innings pitched. Everything is it was a you know, his Orioles numbers were better. Um, there's no question that he would go. He should go in as an Oriole if you know if and when he goes in. Um, to the first part of it is, I, it's a really interesting question because he is a guy I think for a lot of people doesn't pop out as an obvious Hall of Famer as a you know he I think a lot of people think of him. Oh, he was really good, but he's kind of the second. He was the next tier down from the Hall of Famers. And if you're defining Hall of Famers as you know Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, although you know Clemens obviously is man. Uh, Greg Maddox, then yeah, he, he is the next tier down. But the reality is those guys are the creme de la creme of, of Hall of Fame pitchers. And there's a lot of guys in who aren't nearly as good as those guys. And Mike Messina is right there with that group. Um, he's every bit as good or better than you know a guy like Don Sutton. He, he's on, frankly, he's as good as, as Tom Glavin. Just didn't pitch for the you know the team. He didn't pitch for the Braves, so he didn't put up. You know, his ERA wasn't as good because he wasn't pitching in the National League and didn't have quite as many wins. But if you look at his advanced statistics and his you know run prevention in context, he was every bit as good as someone like Glavin or Smoltz. Um, so yeah, and the, and the answer is based on based on what the sort of the baseline Hall of Fame pitcher is. He absolutely belongs in. Yeah, and oh, and by the way. I- Based on that, that's great to hear. I hope he gets in as an Oriole. But but uh, I, when I was listening to your podcast earlier about the Hall of Fame, I was more interested, and I found it really interested, interesting in who got in the Hall of Fame when really they they shouldn't be in there. Like who's in there that really don't don't have that they don't have the numbers to support it, as opposed to all the guys that aren't in there that maybe should be. I like to hear about those guys who have no business being in the Hall of Fame, but somehow they snuck in there. Yeah, I did early. Um one of my very early episodes, I think it was one of the first 10 or so, was called um, Ghosts in the Gallery at Cooperstown uh, by an author. I think his name is David Flight. And um, he wrote a book. Basically, it was a, a book about obscure Hall of Famers, which I know is a strange concept. But you, if you're in Hall of Fame, you should be famous. Yeah. But the reality is a lot of these guys aren't famous. And he talked about a lot of these guys. But these are particularly guys you know, from the early 20th century, late 19th century, mainly who got in via the, um, the veterans committees, the sort of veterans committees over the years. And there's just a lot of them who 
You, you've never heard of him. I mean, unless you're really a baseball history nut, you know, Elmer Flick and some of these guys, they're, they're pretty obscure. They were, they were decent players, but they're not really immortals. And it's kind of a fascinating because whenever I have a Hall of Fame discussion with people and they're like, oh, you know, letting Mike Messina in would, would water down the standards of the Hall of Fame. I'm like, go back and look <laughs> Too at the Hall of Fame. I promise. Yeah, exactly. That ship sailed in the 40s, literally. Um, and Mike, Mike Messina would raise the standards, honestly. He would not lower the standards. Uh, and that's, that's, that's what's interesting about it is so many people have opinions, but they don't have any clue who's actually in. And, you know, and, and they necessarily know these guys are in because they don't deserve to be in, and they're not famous. And, and you know, again, unless you're really into it like I am or like Jay Jaffe is, you're not necessarily going to know about it. But there's a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame who are, to put, to put it mildly, uh, you know, underqualified, I'll, I'll say that. But, but see, you guys, are, you guys are focused on the wrong side of the Mike Mussina question because what, what I look forward to, I think Mike Mussina will get in in time. What I look forward to is how the Oriole fans handle it. Whether he goes in as a Yankee or an Oriole, how do they handle, handle a guy who was an Oriole and then a Yankee being in the Hall of Fame? If he goes in as an Oriole, we've got to put up his number, build his statue out in center field, and I'm interested to see how the Oriole fans handle that. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it, it is an interesting question. Um, I will say this. I believe enough time has passed that um, people are pretty – I think the fans will be okay with it. I mean, you guys are a little young to remember this, but I remember, you know, when Eddie Murray left Baltimore, it was under very bad terms. You know what I mean? He right. wasn't happy with the team. The team was not happy with him. It was, it was, a, it was a very bitter divorce, so to speak. But, you know, ten years, less than 10 years later, you know, he comes back, hits his 500th homer with the Orioles, and then as soon as he retires, he, he, they retire his number, he's embraced as an Oriole, goes into the Hall of Fame as an Oriole, and now he's, you know, got a statue there. You know, th- people, people forget over time, and if, if Mike Mussina is willing to embrace his role as an Oriole legend, I think the fans will embrace him. Yeah, well, yeah. Eddie Murray never went to play for the Yankees, I'll just say that. Well, again, yeah, it's true, but... Eddie Murray was also never, you know, again, the circumstances of Eddie Murray leaving were, were pretty bitter, and it was, um, it, it, there was not a lot of love lost between the fans and him at that time. And Messina, I'll be honest with you, I never blamed Messina. I thought the team was, was so poorly run at the time he left, and things were going such su- such a bad direction that I, I didn't blame him for going to a better situation. But I, I suppose I'm, I'm probably in the minority among Orioles fans on that. I think a lot of Orioles fans understand that now looking back. Yeah, blame Pete. Look, and the Red Sox have, have even come around and retired Wade Boggs' number. So if they can retire Wade Boggs' number after he you know, rides a horse in Yankee Stadium celebrating the World Series, I think the <laughs> Orioles can, can embrace Mike Messina. All right, well, speaking of Orioles going to the Yankees, we've got to talk about Manny Machado. You even you write for we haven't even mentioned that you write for fan sided as well. And you even jumped on the bandwagon in the past week writing an article about will Manny Machado be traded. Everyone's talking about it. What do you think the Orioles should do with Manny Machado? Well, I'll say I'll start out by saying I think there's close to a zero percent chance they will trade him. Um, my feeling is I understand emotionally as a fan, I don't want to get rid of him. I love watching him play. You know, even this year when he's not been as good, you know, at the plate as, as he's capable of being. But I mean, he just made a play tonight <laughs> in the field that he's just so fun to watch. And I understand the emotional appeal of, of rooting for this guy, who is, you know, basically the greatest um, position player the Orioles farm system has produced since Cal Ripken. Right? I mean, I can't think of anybody even a close second. 
Um, so I understand the the appeal as a fan of not wanting to get rid of him any sooner than you have to. But the rational part of my brain says he's not resigning here. The Orioles are not contenders in 2017, and they're not likely to be contenders in 2018. Why not go for it now, get some prospects, restock that farm system, um, and, and kind of start building towards the next Orioles team? Because I think this one, I think the window is essentially shut. Um, so I think rationally, it would make all the sense in the world. And emotionally, I understand why fans don't want it, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I'm, you can consider me, I mean, count me on the emotional side, because my rational brain isn't strong enough to want to see Manny Machado with another team, even if he leaves. I, I just, I, I, I can't, I just, I don't, want, I don't want him to go. I love watching him every night. And even if rationally, like that's why you have a GM, because I don't have to make the decision. I'm just a fan, and I, lo- I like watching Manny Machado at third base. I don't want to see. Him. Yeah, I agree. And if if the Orioles were better this year, it wouldn't even be a question. But I think they're, you know, they've they've got themselves in such a hole. I mean, I see people arguing, well, they're only three and a half games out of the second wild card, but you know, there's like four or five teams ahead of them. But what about next year, Justin? Because they can be good next year, right? You sign a starting pitcher in the offseason. Or four. Or, 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 or two or three pitchers in the off. I mean, you can be – I mean, I don't think it's beyond the run possibility to see us as a playoff team in 2018, right? Or no, am I, no, am I should, emotional, should, not rational? You, you should talk to my 14-year-old son because that's his argument why <laughs> they shouldn't do it. Um, yeah, next time we're having him on and not you. Okay, good. All right. Well, he'd be happy to come on. But here's my problem with that argument, which is I think it's perfectly, it's perfectly possible that the Orioles could put together an everyday lineup that could contend, right? Um, You know, starting starting lineup of of good players. The problem is, and and I think they could they could have an effective bullpen. But I think the problem is the starting pitching has gotten so bad, and I know it's been kind of weak for a while. But this year we've really, I mean. Who's who? What is your rotation next year? I just, I mean, just best case scenario, you know, Dylan and Gossman turn out to be better than they've been this year, particularly Gossman. That's two, right? <laughs> so, yeah. who are the other three guys that are going to make you contenders? And that's again relying on those guys to really step it up a bit. I just, they are, they are five starting pitchers away from a, a rotation at this point for next year, as far as I can see. Um, and that, that's the problem. If, if they were even. You know, if they had two good pitchers and, and you could say, well, we could do this, we could do that, you know, Buck's good at, at you know, juggling kind of, you know, weaker at back end of the rotation. And that's true. But I, right now I just don't see what that rotation is going to be. I don't, they don't have the pieces to trade for starters. There's not going to be a lot of great starters on the free agent market. You know, I just, I just don't see how they're going to have uh, contending pitching next year. Yeah. And my, if you can just respond real quick to my argument uh, to that would be this off season, off the books is coming. Jimenez, you're you're getting that money. Tillman, you're you're getting that money. If you trade Britain, that's twelve more million. Um, JJ Hardy, that's thirteen and a half million. There's just going to be a lot of money out there um, that we're losing, and we're not losing that much talent, but we're we're getting a lot of money back from these contracts expiring. And it seems like you have the money there to sign a free agent pitcher or two. But you would argue, a, there's not enough good ones out there, and b we would have to sign, <laughs> what, four starting pitchers, and that's just not realistic? Is that the other side? Well, yeah, I think I, I think that's part of it. I haven't looked at the free agent list in a while, but my my memory is that there aren't a lot of big-name pitchers coming onto the market this year. I know, you know, Scherzer at one point, or not Scherzer, I mean Strasburg at one point looked like he might be the big name, and then he, he got they signed him to a deal. Right. 
um, you know, a longer-term deal. The other thing is, too, I mean, do we really think top-of-the-line starting pitchers want to sign with the Orioles? That's the other question. I mean, I guess if you back up the Brinks truck and are willing to pay them more than anybody else, maybe, but, uh, you know, how, how, when's the last time the Orioles signed a, an elite starting pitcher? It's just they, pitchers don't seem to have any interest in Baltimore. But I feel like we've said that about any player. You're telling me about Jimenez isn't elite. <laughs> I am. I am telling you that. <laughs> but you're right. That's what we get. We get the Giovanni Gardos, the Obato Jimenezes, because we can't get the top tier guys. We get the uh, fourth or fifth tier guys. I, I, I buy that. Yeah, you, you get you get the guys who are still looking for work in January, you know, yeah. um, and who aren't people aren't exactly knocking down their doors to get them. And I wish that wasn't the case, but I, I wish the Orioles were a more attractive destination for free agent pitchers, but. It doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, under under the Angelos regime, it does not seem to be the way it goes. Yeah, well, at least we can still get the hitters, right? We can still get our Nelson Cruzes and our, our Mark Trumbos signed. So I guess that's that's something we can try to out-homer everybody. Yeah, well, and that's sort of the strategy they've employed for several years, and it worked until it did, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I think our starting pitching has bottomed out so much this year. Yeah, I, I just, I'd like to be optimistic about it, but I'm just having trouble seeing – how they're going to cobble together an even halfway decent starting rotation next year. Yeah. Josh, you, you should have never, never even asked about the Manny Machado. That really it's turned nice. this Sense podcast down, down, a, down, down a dark Don't worry. side. One day we'll all get to read books about the Manny Machado legacy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, exactly. Well, Justin McGuire, uh, we appreciate you, co- you co- coming and spending some time with Section 336. We encourage everyone to check out the Baseball by the Book podcast. Uh, it's a really good listen um for baseball fans so thanks justin yeah no problem anytime guys all right see ya all right bye see i made sure not to hang up on him before the 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 second bye yeah he got to see his sign off right okay bye okay bye it's a sign off yeah right this is i'm sure your your student had a a similar sign off that i cut off yeah uh next time we're getting the 14 year old Little yeah, McGuire on. The, the positive and we're, gonna, and we're gonna talk about winning in two thousand eighteen. Right, right. We'll tell you about nineteen eighty nine and you can tell us about two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. The year the Orioles went to the World Series. Yeah. How about I mean, that? I, how much fun would it be to be a, a ten year old kid through these past five years? Yeah. It, it'd be pretty fun. Yeah. This is this is actually if you're a kid, like you're better off than than um all the eighteen year olds, right? All the twenty year olds. Right, uh, all all the millennials, right? Who who? Yeah, I mean, who, they, who grew up with losing, right? Good for them for still being or- Oriole fans. Actually, after all that, good for them, right? Yeah. So this has been a long show. You still want to go through your list? I I had two more. All right, let's go through them. I, I, I don't care. We can. Yeah. This is a long. Next week's gonna be. Who knows how next week's show is gonna be? We're gonna be on the road. Bert's gonna be back. We might not. We might do an hour and a half and not talk baseball. Next show? Next show, yeah. Yeah, well, there's going to be a little thing called the trade deadlines coming up. I think we might have a thing or two, thing or two to say about that. That's true. We might, have to, we might have to release more than one episode next week. Yeah. Maybe do a little mini uh, episode if Zach Britton gets traded or when he gets traded or when Brad Brock gets traded or when Manny Machado goes to the uh, Boston Red Sox. Stop saying that. I hate those <laughs> jokes. I made that joke, too, about the Yankees, I, and I hate myself for making that joke about the Yankees. I'm sorry. I'm just hitting my undo button on Microsoft Word about 50 times because somewhere along the line, I deleted all my myths when I was talking to uh, You were Justin. just typing stuff in there? Well, I was talking to Justin. Writing down all the books you need to buy? Deleting, yeah. I'm I, telling you, every time I listen, the Piazza book sounds awesome. Yeah. The, the Expos book, 
I already went to Audible and added it to my. Do you thing. feel though if you listen to the podcast, you don't even need to read the book? Uh, I w- yeah, it's kind of like the Cliff Notes. Yeah, like they don't, I don't think they have Cliff Notes anymore. They, is it Spark Notes? Is Spark Notes the modern Cliff? Yeah, Notes? Yeah, they still got Cliff Notes. All right, I mean CliffNotes.com. Okay. All right. Yeah, Sparknotes. I guess not not the, not the little yellow books that no, we used to have. There's no yellow books anymore. There's websites. I see. But uh, yeah, it's kind of, it reminds me of the uh, Cliff Notes of the book. Yeah. But it makes me want to get the book. Sometimes. I listen to a podcast about the Hall of Fame. Huh. I'm not going to read that, that book. That discussion puts me to sleep, debating who should be in the Hall of Fame or not. Just not my cup of tea. Uh, but some of the other ones, yeah, absolutely. Um, myth six. Let me pick it up like we just left right. off. Myth six. So I've already covered a few, right? I covered that the window to win is shut. It's not true. We talked about how it could remain open indefinitely for the rest of our lives. Uh, Peter, Peter Angelus is cheap. That's a myth. He actually has spent money in the past. Uh, we have zero shot of resigning Manny Machado. The money is there. If we make a priority, we can do that. The Orioles never sign any free agents. We talked about it with Justin. They have trouble sometimes signing top-tier pitchers. Um, but but we certainly have signed other free agents, Castillo, Trumbo, Cruz. Yep. Um, this team doesn't have enough good players. Just not true. Just not true. Look at who we have on this team. This team was built for everyone's contract to run out in like 2018, 2019. So th- we have a lot of good players for the next two years, year and a half at least. Um, myth number six, our pitching staff, and this is what I was talking about with Justin, and I just disagree. Um, our pitching staff can never be good enough to compete. This is what it comes down to. Uh, and, and whether you think the Orioles are going to be good in 2018 or not, it, this is the question. There's no question about the offense. The offense can be good enough. There's no question about the bullpen. Even trading Zach Britton, our bullpen can still be good enough to win. Right. I, the question is starting pitching. Can we get enough? Can we get five good starting pitchers yeah, to compete? I'm not worried about the closer. It's starting pitching. That, that's the whole question. If you don't have starting pitching, the closer is pointless. This year, if we do have starting pitching, next year, all of us we, We've pitching. got Miguel Gibbons, uh, who could be a starter or a, a closer in pretty much any team. Okay, you, 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 be fine. you combined Miguel Castro and Michael Gibbons. I oh, did I say Miguel? To make Miguel Gibbons. You know, I kind of like Castro in that late in as well. Yeah. And I, I think O'Day, if they don't trade O'Day, O'Day is a good setup guy. I think our bullpen is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brock, Givens, O'Day, those three guys, however you want to mix it right. up, that's fine. Yeah, and I, I agree. Um, the question is, though, and here's the question. 2018, can we find five decent starters? And that's why I think you trade Zach Britton for one guy who you know will be there next year, so another why. guy who, who might be there next year. You're getting two guys for Zach Britton. Okay. One who's ready, one who might be ready, or might be a okay. 2019 guy. Okay, so you trade for, let's say you trade for one. I think you got to trade for two. But let's say one guy All right, is so borderline and doesn't make the start rotation. One guy is good enough to make the start rotation ne- next year. Okay, all right. So you're saying whether we trade O'Day, Britton, Brit, Brock, yeah. whoever we trade, if somehow get, we end this season with we've got one more guy in our rotation. Who's that guy from the Dodgers? Mar, uh, Walker Bur, Bur, Burley, I think his name is. If you can get yeah, him. The, the AAA guy? Yeah, even just him. I would take him for Zach Britt. Even up. just him. Straight up. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. I would too. So, so even I do get, have a little hesitation of, oh, it's a national, pitchers always do better in the National League, but I, the kid looks good. The kid, the kid looks good. So, so, so let's say you get one starting right. pitcher via so now, trade. So now you got Bundy. Bundy. This guy. This guy. You got two. Right, two. You need five to play. <laughs> Gosman will be back because he's cheap. Gosman looks good tonight again. Is that right. Gosman pitching right? That is. He's doing yeah. well. He looks and good this again. Is, this might be his third good game in a row. Yeah. 
this right. Gossman's gonna be a huge like watching the second half, see what he right. does. It's huge, right? Because right now, yeah. Yeah, totally. But right, if, if, if he can, continues this, he's penciled into the rotation for next season. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Like if he's not, how, he's a bullpen arm. How but how 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 you feel about Manny Machado maybe directly depending on how you feel about Kevin Gossman, right? Like if I thought Kevin Gossman was terrible, I might be blow it all up. But right, I think Kevin Gossman can still be a good can, starting pitcher. Right. And if he can turn this around, yeah. then yeah, then you're looking at all right, you got Bundy. You got Gosman. We trade for one guy this year. That's three. And you get Til- you get Tillman cheap. Okay, let's say you resign Tillman, which right. uh, again, huge question mark. We'll see. He's pitched better recently. Struggled versus right. the Astros. Everyone struggled versus the Astros. And then number five, free agent. We got a free agent who you look at the bottom tier of the free agent and pick someone off of there. We're not going to get you Darvish. Uh, We're not going to get Jake Arrieta. Not going to get well. I don't know if Jake Arrieta no will make much more money. <laughs> There's no way. I know, but quality-wise, he's probably on that lower tier. I don't know who that is, but you bring in one of those lower lower tier guys. I think we have the money to get it. Is Sweaty Freddy available this year? Uh, no, we don't want him. <laughs> I, I, I think we have the money to get – we're not going to get the best free – we're not going to get you Darvish. No, no you Darvish. We're not going to get you Darvish. But I think we have the money to get a middle <laughs> pitching free agent, a guy that come in and be our number two or three. So you're telling me you don't think it'll be Mike Wright, Tyler Wilson? No. Miguel Castro. No, though I am intrigued. The guy and, and oh my gosh, if Buck but, says if Buck Showalter says one more time, every, he he could be a starter. Yeah, every time one Liar, uh Castro, Tanner yep, Scott, yep. he could be a starter. Oh, yep. let's get out of here. The, now cat now, Chris Lee, they're stretching out. Past two outings, he get went four innings, right? No, you're talking about Tanner Scott. Oh, uh, that's what I mean. Chris Lee's always been stretched out. No. Tanner Scott pitched four innings a couple starts ago, but last start he pitched three again. So I think that was uh, an anniversary or something. All right. But here's, here's a guy, someone like Andrew Kashner, perhaps. I'm just, just looking. I saw he's a free agent. Like someone like him who's maybe better than a uh, – Ubaldo and Wade. Well, certainly. <laughs> I mean, what I want is – all right, so we, we were able to fill out that four with legit starters. Yeah, and you kinda. add and if you, you have the a, money to have a good free agent. Right. What I want is a good free agent. I don't want to go into next season with one of these guys from the AAA that might work out. Yeah. I don't want Mike Wright, Tyler Wilson. Yeah, no, give someone twelve million a year, thirteen million dollars a year, fourteen million dollars yeah. a year. Take take the Ubaldo money and put it right back into another pitcher. Yeah, or combine the Ubaldo and the uh JJ Hardy money. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah, I mean just Yeah, and that's makes you competitive again next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and again, those are question marks, right? Like is Tillman gonna be good again? Right. Tillman and Gosman are two big question and marks. Gosman, yeah. And and you have to re sign Tillman, which Right. It's an unknown. Right. Right. But you gotta you gotta believe that I mean, we've seen stuff from these guys at least enough to give me hope and get me excited yeah, for the, next year. The thing that's frustrating, and a lot of fans are frustrated with this, and I fully get it, is our own development system. We can develop we're talking about next year, Austin Hayes, perhaps Cedric Mullins, DJ Stewart's look pretty good. Uh, Chan Cisco. Um, Chan Cisco. But the pitching wise It's crap. We traded it all away. Yeah, and you and you steal my talking points again talking on your Stan the Fan show about the guy I like. Now, all of a sudden, you like him. Jason Aquino. Uh, who yeah, I, was, I do, I was like, I do like Aquino. I was talking about him in spring training. That is the guy who could be the number five. Yeah, but I can see Jason Aquino at number five. And you just got to think. And, and you, you, you can't do this if you're, but if I, you're I, I want, a cat. I, I want you got to think one of these guys, right? Uh, uh, Asher, uh, Noah, um, Vidal Nuno, uh, Aquino, one of these guys, Chris Lee, 
one of these guys will turn out to be a fifth starter, right? I'm, you know what? And I'm, I want one of those guys as the sixth starter. I really, I'll be okay. I can convince myself of good things if one of those guys is the fifth starter. If you're putting two of those guys in the rotation for next year, to get rid of Machado. Yeah. It's not working. Yeah. As much as we want to talk about that, you can totally extend that window, but you're going to have to get a pitcher. The only way you extend this window is by bringing one to two pitchers in minimum. Uh, all right. A couple of things in the chat room. Jacob says, I think the better question is going back to our interview with Justin. Who is the better pitcher, Jim Palmer in his prime or Mike Messina in his prime? Uh, Jim Palmer never I, gave I, up a grand slam. I never watched Jim Palmer pitch, I, but I assume. me. I mean, he's a... He's already uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like the answer is Jim Palmer, I think, with that question. Um, even though I never really watched him pitch like I did Mike Messina every day, I think right. Jim and Palmer it's not the same there. as like Brooks. We can see the highlights. A pitcher doesn't have the highlights as yeah, much. Yeah, I know he's got the big leg kick. That's all about right. It but you don't know the situation at all. Um, Joy says, "Got to keep Machado so the team is worth watching now." And that's been my argument of he's yeah, the next we, Cal Ripken. We, you we you invest in him so people come. That, that's why we go. Um, and then Jacob says, I'm with Matt. Whenever Obato starts, I won't watch the game. Boy, hashtag boycott Obato. I am. I am boycotting Obato. He's scheduled to start on Wednesday. That's ridiculous. I literally will not watch there it. There is no reason he should be in these games. Last start, uh, Jason Aquino, a couple days ago. Bring him up. Gave up one run at Norfolk. He's, he's scheduled to pitch again, uh, I think, on Tuesday. It's ridiculous. Just hold his start back a day. Let him pitch on Wednesday for the Orioles. Yeah. There's no reason on this earth. It's ridiculous. Why would have managed to have another start? Especially if you're telling me you're going to win this year. Fix your problem. Yeah. You get the better. The thing is. It's, it's addition through subtraction. Yeah. The only way you start Ubaldo Jimenez if you're tanking for a draft pick. Like you're trying to lose. Right. That's the only scenario when, where you start Ubaldo Jimenez if you're trying to lose. Oh, I hate him so much. It's so frustrating. I don't hate him. I you just, know what's frustrating? Is I'm not even mad at him anymore. I'm not even mad at him anymore. I'm mad at Buck Showwatch and Daniel Kett for still having him on this team. That's right, what I'm mad right. at. Right. And then. I get so irritated at Buck because you can tell at the first three batters whether it's good or bad Ubaldo. And you got to yank him earlier. What? And none of this think that he's going to get out of what? some hole. And 99% of the time, it's going to be bad Ubaldo. It's so bad Ubaldo. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Exactly. I hate Ubaldo. Ah. And other people say, well, you don't have any other options. Jason can throw for an eight-run ERA just like Jimenez. And I'd rather watch Aquino throw for an eight-run ERA than... All right. Jimenez. Who do you, with all right. Options. Mike yeah. Wright, Tyler Wilson, Ubaldo Jimenez. I go with Tyler Wilson. I'd rather watch Tyler Wilson. And I, and I would choose Mike Wright over uh, Ubaldo Jimenez. I'd choose either of those guys over Ubaldo. Or uh, uh, Alec Asher. I'd rather watch Alec Asher. Alec, I would too. I'd like to see if – because, again, you're at least showing me something for the future. Yeah. When every time you put Ubaldo up there, it's just – you're throwing trash out. Yeah. You're not – it doesn't help it for the future. Yeah. And it's not helping now. And I, for one, and Jacob Rock for for, for, for two, we're not going to watch it anymore. I'm not watching. If I took for the game, I'm not going. If it's on television, I'm not watching. If someone tweet at me when he goes out of the game, then I'll turn on the game. You think it's because Dan Duquette... And I'm at 10 nothing in the third inning. think it's because Dan Duquette thinks that he can show Ubaldo off to trade him. He can't trade Ubaldo, right? No <laughs> one wants Ubaldo. No, no, no. No, you can cut him. And, he, and you can eat all his money, and no team will sign him for the minimum. No team will sign him for the major league minimum. No. <laughs> it's, no. it's a waste. Let's hope that it's uh, a, uh, was it Red Heron? 
for him to just be out there and they're going to change it on Wednesday morning. Yeah, he'll be ne- next year if he wants to pitch at all. He'll be pitching somewhere in in AAA or Double A. Right. Oh man. Well, Gossman's only given up what zero runs. All right, we got to get out of here so we can watch some Kevin Gossman uh, and kind of uh, make our run at the wild card here. Let's go. Bye bye bye. Bye bye bye. Bye bye bye. How how many? You you think we'll be up? We'll be like two games up in the wild card, three games behind the Boston Red Sox and the AL East. Everyone will still be saying, "Why are we buying? We should be selling." Oh, get out of here. Bye bye bye. Yes. Win, win for win now and win in the future. That's what me and Dan Duquette say. Win now and get better for the future. You know, I, I fixed my uh, soundboard and I didn't even get to any of them today. But I even brought you some uh, some of our great old Dan Duquette buttons. Oh, can, can, can I get a laugh if we got here? For every solution, oh, there's nice. a problem. Nice. Classic DD right there. It's a little embarrassing. That's buff. How's that working out for you? Stop, stop. It's all my fault. I'm to blame. Yeah, that's what uh, Dan Duquette will be saying as he uh, as he leaves his contract. I may be small, but I'm wiry. All right, boys and girls, appreciate you checking out another edition of Section 336. If you enjoyed the show, go to iTunes and write us a review and go and subscribe while, while you're over there. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Section 336. You can follow Josh. At Josh Soroka. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go O's. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches.